When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of Terry's Talking, everybody. It's Wednesday, November 10th. Terry's joining me here. Terry Pluto, award-winning sports writer and columnist for Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm David Campbell, sports manager at Cleveland.com. Terry, how's it going? I am doing well. We Not were as well as Joel Batonio and Wyatt Taylor, who should sure. be doing like way beyond well. I don't know or if the Browns, uh, who I'm sure are actually very happy about this. Oh, for sure. There were some people out in Berea today covering the team. There was actually a Brinks truck that pulled up in front of the team facility and everybody's like, oh, they're here to pay Batonio and, and Teller. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you were in, uh, we were off last week on our podcast. You were out in Marietta and nothing happened, Terry. You didn't miss a yeah. darn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just a chance to write 84 more stories on Odell Beckham. That's right. So we'll get into all that. We're going to talk a little yeah, Browns we're, we're, first. Not and... lead, I'm making, we are not leading with Odell Beckham. No, no. Let's lead with the changing of the guards or the, what the paying of the guards, I guess we could call it. Uh, so yesterday, Wyatt Teller gets his big contract. And today it's Joel Batonio's turn. And it's funny. Mary Kay Cabot was on our Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which taped yesterday. And she said, you know, I wonder if they're going to give Joel Batonio a bump after this happened. And sure enough, it happened today. Uh, we can run through the numbers. You want me to run through the numbers real quick? Um, well, here's so, what I'm going to see my little, see the little phone here. Like uh-huh. Adam Schechter does. Okay. Here's how long they're signed for the whole line. So all right, let's run cool. through it. Go ahead. All right. Number one, you now have Teller and Batonio wrapped up through 2025. And I'm sure they're last year or two in there that they could probably get out of, but, um, you know, they're, so they're, 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 they got uh, 22, 23, 24, 25, four more years to go. Willis is through 24. So he has three more years to go. And Conklin and Treader are through 22. So they don't have to think about anybody for next year. The whole line comes back. And I saw one of the quotes from Batonio saying, boy, it's just so nice to play with the same guys for a while. Well, not only is it a matter of the team believes in you and is investing in you, but also, you know how offensive lines work. I mean, you, you know, you've been around football long enough. To, yeah. These guys are making line calls and, and trading, you know, trading guys off and doing chip blocks with each other. And the longer guys play together, it, it all just becomes second nature and they become more, co- more cohesive and they're going to be under the same offensive line coach you'd assume with Bill uh, Callahan. Um, this is all really good news for the Browns, right? All of it. Well, it shows you know, one of the places that um, they want to spend the money. And it started, by the way, when they did bring in Bill Callahan, you know, they paid top dollar for one of the top um, offensive line coaches. So they paid big money for him is the whole offensive line. You have these guys are making 14 million, $16 million, uh, you know, Conklin, Teller, but um, Batonio, and I think uh, Treader's like 10 million, you know, something like that. And, and Wills is on his rookie contract. So that shows 
that they believe in this. You know, the interesting thing when you look at analytics and, and what the Browns did, if you go back to when Sashi Brown took over in 2016, and that was when, you know, they, well, Alex Mack was out of here no matter what. He just couldn't take it anymore. But remember, Mitchell Schwartz wanted to come back, and they went up and down with that, and they ended up, they, they hardballed him, and he left. Well, they looked at things, and the next year is when they paid big money to bring in Treader and, remember, Kevin Zeitler. They made Zeitler one of the highest-paid guards. And since then, they've been paying big money for their offensive line, which, you know, it makes sense. But a lot of teams don't do that. Yeah, and if you look at the numbers, I mean, there's significant money here. Uh, Betonio's contract is a three-year extension worth 48. Uh, and it came, like we said yesterday, Teller signed his new deal, and that's four years for $56 million, 56.8. Uh, this really reminds me a lot of the way the Steelers have operated, right? Like, you know, you'll, running backs will change. You'll get different receivers. But you know, you know, through the years, you know when you play the Steelers, you're going to run into a good offensive line and a good defensive line. And that's the foundation of everything they've done over the last 20 years. And I feel like the Browns are now doing that where, all right, you, you might have Dearness Johnson or you might have Chauber Hunt in the backfield. But, like, it's going to be a war when you play the Browns because of those five guys up front. It's very Steeler-esque to me. Right. And Steeler-esque also means you win in bad weather because you don't have to rely on throwing the ball 40 times. Uh, Steeler-esque, as you said, means that um, it's just, you know, one Odell reference, then we'll go on. But, you know, the drama, you get rid of the drama. You know, they, Antonio Brown, they let him walk, get him out of there. Remember that they they did the same thing there. So it's a good model. Furthermore, Let's think about this, David, what Andrew Barry's done since he's come in. And it's only been a year and a half, really. Uh, Miles Garrett, they got him signed. Huge deal to get him done. And they made him the highest paid defensive end, knowing it would last about 10 minutes. And it did because Bosa got more. But for that 10 minutes, he could say he's the highest paid defensive end. And they don't have to worry about Miles Garrett. It's set. Secondly, you know, it was a quiet signing. But Kareem Hunt, remember that? They added two years, very modest numbers to Hunt's contract so that they have him. You know, he signed up through next year. And then you turn around. And they went into the season with Chubb and Teller going to be free agents after the year. And we have seen, not just with Cleveland, but in general, when most of these guys get to the end of their free free agent year, they're out of there. Somebody's going to throw a lot of money at them. So they took, you know, they, they got Chubb wrapped up in training camp, if I recall. And then they've really been working on Teller. It sounds like they've been working on Teller and Batonio at the same time uh, so that they could roll these out almost together and say, look, this is what we did. And, you know, Batonio now is like on his way to being the, the Joe Thomas of this group. I'm not sure he's as great as Joe, but he's close. He's good. And it's just nice. So you sit there and go, all right. You, you end up talking about things like, well, Denzel and Baker, who actually are under contract already through 2022, and if need be, you can franchise them. In other words, you don't have that things hanging over your franchise with named players who are going to be free agents. Then it's like, what well, do you want to bring Clowney back for another year? That kind of stuff, but not the big guys. So uh, it's interesting. I was watching the game Saturday, uh, Sunday, and you see Teller pancaking guys, especially on that big run by Nick Chubb. And my first thought was, oh, he just made himself some money right there. (laughs) And I was looking at, you know, you watch Denzel Ward have a game like he had on Sunday. And you're like, well, 
he just made himself some money there. Do you think that the Chubb, I mean, not the Chubb, the uh, Denzel Ward and the Baker Mayfield signings are going to happen sooner or later in terms, you know, they do have control, but it, the Browns seem like right now they're all about like, we want our guys locked up and we want them feeling good about where they're at and not having anxiety about all this stuff. I think they'll do it. It'll after, happen sooner after the season. After the season would be my guess. Yeah. I don't, they don't want to go into that last year. Um, the, in other words, they don't want to go into the games, the actual games in 22 with this their last year. And then you are you, then you start into franchising people. And I don't think the Browns want to do that. It's just like some fans are like, well, why did the Browns do this with Odell's contract? You know, Mary Kay broke the story first. I laid out exactly, you know, how it worked with the NBA buyout, which you rarely see if ever in the NFL. Um, but it was what Odell's people wanted. They wanted to um, not to have him claimed by anybody. And they wanted him to have the right to go somewhere else. And I remember some people say, well, they said all these nice things about Odell and they did his favors. David, you know, and I know that this is this very small world of NBA agents and players. And I know the one thing that this front office really wanted to work on was uh, the relationship with the agents, because that's how you get extensions done. You still have to really pay. But it isn't like um, where they go, man, we got a deal out of that guy, but we just hate dealing with him. You know, so it's like if it's fairly close, you give a break to the the guys you know you could trust that you're dealing with in the team. So that's why I think what, what they're doing with, with Odell was, was goodwill uh, for the next negotiation. Because Odell's, I forgot his agency, but it's a big one. Well, yeah, and we, how not, the, people don't talk about this a lot, but look at the way the Browns' um, reputation around the league has changed over the last yes. eight years. It used to be guys would tell each other, don't go to Cleveland. It's a mess. They're going to try and stick it to you. To now, like you said with Odell, they could have gone harder on Odell in terms of his exit and made the terms less favorable to him. But like you said, they want this reputation of being a front office that is good to work with and doesn't try to, you know, stick it to players when they have the opportunity. And that goes a long way when you're trying to a free agent is trying to pick between two teams that that, that they believe that the front office is looking out for their interests as well as the team's interests. That means a lot, right? And then also the players like Manny. You know, whether you like Odell or not, they really stuck it to him, man. And they could do this to me as opposed to they sat down with his agent. I mean, in the end, if Odell goes and plays somewhere great, fine. It wasn't going to happen here. The question isn't, you know, will Odell play well somewhere else? The question is, would he play well here? Would the team play well with him here? We have so much evidence to the contrary of that happening. How much more do you need to see? I mean, one of the, the, the most baffling stats that came out, I don't think it has anything to do with Odell, but ESPN, you know, the, 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 the stat guys come out with, well, in the last nine games where Odell didn't play, Chubb rushed for a touchdown. <laughs> Probably should have been flagged for piling on, but there are all these, but they're these crazy numbers. And then, you know, the last three games that uh, DPJ, he's, you know, Diamond People Jones, we give him the initials now, played, he's racked up more total yards in those three games than Odell did all season on 11 catches. You want your deep threat? You have your deep threat. He averaged 21 yards a catch last year. He's averaging 21 yards a, a catch this year. And if you remember that game where Odell got hurt last year, they won it when, when 
DPJ made that great catch in the end zone from Baker. Yeah, and if you put all these stats together, it's more than coincidence. Yes. At some it, point, it's it's too much. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, too, it's like a family dynamic or whatever. They're just, you know, how, how things work. I mean, I've, even when we do our, like, our ministry stuff at the Haven of Rest, so we have two people who sing and myself and at least one other person speaks, and once in a while, even a third. And you have to make sure it kind of we're all on the same theme and works together. Even, you know, like uh, my friend Gloria Williams, who could really she could she could do a whole concert for 45 minutes. My wife, Roberta, has 10 years of classical voice lessons. She could do you know, they could do it all. But it, it, it all do, do you want to play ball, basically? And the answer is yes. And it has to be seamless. Yeah. And they, they don't sit there and go, well, you know, I could have gotten two more songs tonight. All right, so the Browns have the second best guard in the NFL right now, according to Pro Football Focus, and the third best guard in the NFL right now in terms of Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio. I guess the big question for this week, Terry, moving off some of this contract stuff and looking towards Sunday's game at New England, who are they going to be blocking for, I guess, is the big question. Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton, Felton are both on the COVID list. If they're going to come back in time for the game, they have to have two negative COVID tests 24 oh, hours apart. Is and it we're two? getting I close. It was one. Yeah, it's yeah. two, 24 hours apart. Uh, Kareem Hunt isn't going to be available. We just heard that today from Kevin yeah. Stefanski. Uh, what does that mean? And how do you think the Browns can adjust Sunday in terms of going he, up against New England without their best that, running backs? I'm sorry, but even that guy, Kelly, I believe he tested positive also. He's right. not bad. Remember the guy from Tennessee, the Kelly guy? Mm-hmm. He would got have a lot of action nice. in preseason. Yes. He would have been fine behind Demetric. I'm not saying they turn into suddenly Chubb, Chubb and Hunt, but it's a second guy behind Demetric. I mean, I mean, the Ernest rather, uh, not Felton, behind Johnson. And I don't know who the heck is the second running back now. I mean, I guess it's just some guy. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they signed a couple of guys today uh, to have some backup. So so what, did, what do you think they're going to do? I mean, I, my first thought was we're going to see tight ends. We're going to see tight ends. We're going to see tight ends yeah. catching short. They're going to use the tight end screens, tight ends, split them out wide, try and get them the ball as kind of an extension of the running game. How do you think they're going to adjust if maybe they're not going to be able to do as many carries with the running backs as they might normally? They could give the ball to Jarvis a couple times. I don't want to see the the option pitch as he did to, to surprise the, the Nick Chubb and everything else. But we have seen other running plays to Jarvis that where they do pretty well, you know, assuming his knee and everything is doing better. That's one thing. And as you said, short passes, not only to the, the tight ends, but I also think uh, uh, just some of the slant patterns for some of the receivers. Um, I don't know. I think they could figure this out. I mean, the big thing is, is Baker just as healthy as he was last week. If he's that healthy and can throw like that, um, then we're, they're probably going to be okay. But, you know, Belichick is, is a tough coach to face. And I believe this is the first time Baker has faced him, but I can't recall for sure. But I'm pretty reasonably Jason Campbell. I remember playing him and some others, but I don't recall Baker facing him. So that and he will confuse you. Well, Baker's been around long enough. He should be able to, he's no rookie anymore. So um, you're, I think you've said, at least in conversations with me, you think this is another quote, biggest game of the year for the yeah. Browns this week. You still think that? Yeah, I do. Even after last you know, week. Yeah, because you know where you're, you're at the point now, if you lose and you're back to five and five, which how much difference is that from four and four? Uh, you really do need to get some distance between you and 500 is what I'm thinking. And then, because if you win this week, and then the following week, Detroit comes here. 
Now suddenly you go to six and four and seven and four. Now you're really on your way. With two games got, coming up against the Ravens too. Back yeah, you to got back. back to back with Baltimore. You got a game at uh, Pittsburgh. You got a game at Green Bay. It's pretty rough. This is a these next two games are a chance to to get healthy against teams that are not as good as I think the teams that are coming up on the schedule. And as Kevin Stefanski said today, they have to be problem solvers. So whatever's thrown their way, they got to figure it out. So. And they also have to like line up where you're supposed to line up. Three. I've never seen a game where there were three neutral zone penalties, three, and then there were two false starts also in that game. There were five pre-sap penalties. But Clowney was just like, and if you looked at, I mean, his hand was like six inches farther across the line than it should be. I don't know what, you know. The only other game I've seen like it was the Bears-Steelers game on Monday night. The Bears did the same thing, and it was Robert Quinn every time. (laughs) It's like, what are you looking at? Yeah, it's like the play will not end well for you, regardless of what happens. It's either a five-yard penalty or the play. So, And I do understand, David, you're more in even the line play than I am, but some of the false starts on offense when that tackle jumps – because he's trying to get that half step back to get himself to, for the rush, you know, here comes miles Garrett or, or whatever. So that's going to happen. And miles is always trying to time the snap count. And I got a feeling he does it most of the time, but when he doesn't, it looks really bad. Well, and he's said that in the past, right? Like I'm willing to give up a penalty or two during the game. If it'll help me get an extra sack or two when I get it right. It would be interesting to find out how many times he's actually timing it you know, where he's, he's guessing. I mean, if he's hitting like 90% of them, I guess, go for it. Given, you know, all the stats, not just in the sacks, which are, are eye popping alone, but they have all those pressures and quarterback hits. And he's just terrifying the, the teams that are facing him. And this is what's nice too. You like to see after miles got that huge contract, he's had his two best years. Cause remember he was playing great last year till he got sick. And, right. and I'm not going to, I mean, the guy probably shouldn't even been out there. I mean, he was clear of COVID, but uh, if you know anybody who has had more than not just the the mild kind, and I'm not talking a super severe, but middle of the road one, which my wife did um, for like three weeks, you know, you're just, you're just exhausted. You're over it, quote unquote, but you're exhausted. He was doing oxygen and everything else. And he still had a really good year. and, And this has been a great year. So that's fun to see too. All right, so uh, kickoff 1 o'clock on Sunday in Foxborough, Massachusetts, Browns and Patriots. Terry, last chance. I will be there for you. Terry will be there, and I'm going to give you one last chance. Anything else you want to say about OBJ before we take a break and then come back and talk some Cavaliers? I will be very glad not to write any more about OBJ other than maybe like since he's left, I've done this and this, and that's it. All right. And And I will go back to what I said from the day they traded for him. And I never got off of that, that he basically is damaged goods phys- physically. He had missed 16 of 32 games before he came here the previous two seasons because of um, he had a torn quad and he had ankle surgery. And then he came here and he played all 16 games that first year, but never practiced. Remember, never even went to rookie camp or anything or the, and the, then he had herneries, herneries, uh, hernery, hernia and core muscle surgery and then came the acl and if you really go back in his career there's some other surgeries too he's beat up how about this i never thought we'd be saying this 
This is a day to thank Ray Farmer, the man we'd who say that on drafted Joel Batonio in the second round. A left tackle out of Nevada and turned him into a guard. Ray, thank you. We won't talk about the first rounds, but on the second round, you nailed that it. draft, you nailed it. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're going to take a break. We will be right back on Terry's Talking. All right. We are back on Terry's Talking. David Campbell joined by Terry Pluto. Terry, the Cavaliers, the surprising Cavaliers, the talk of the league. Uh, they have eight of their next nine games at home, and they are probably the surprise story of the NBA, I would say right now, they have a better record than the Milwaukee Bucks. They have a better record than the Los Angeles Lakers, who are six and five. They're better than record than the Portland Trailblazers, who are five and six. The New Orleans Pelicans are one and ten. And here we have the Cavaliers at seven and four. They have had eight of their first 11 games on the road. What are you thinking about the Cavs at this point? That's why that seven and four is eye-popping because eight of the first 11, I even wrote a column saying this shows the NBA could care less or maybe even hates the Cavaliers. You don't do that to a team unless you just could care less about them. Um, so that's and the interesting thing, David, and I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago is I looked at remember their first two games, they gave up like 140 points and 130. And it was like JB looked at that and said, I don't care what analytics says about running and taking all these threes and playing this pell-mell style. That's not us. And he went back. If you're going to have a big lineup, you got to pound the board. You got to slow it down a little bit. I mean, you're still scoring 110 points. And we've talked about this before. It doesn't mean you never shoot a three, but it also, it's an old line. They always say, well, three is better than two. Guess what? Two is better than none. And that's what the Cavs are looking. You throw it into Jared Allen, he scores 70% of the time. And you look at, you know, Rubio is, I think, shooting in the middle 40s. I mean, these guys, um, they're putting the ball in the basket. And now, can they keep this up? This is really hard how they play in the NBA. You know, physical and all the effort and everything it takes. And right, right now, Sexton's going to be out for who knows how long with the knee. Right. And by the way, I think that I thought he was playing really poorly the last couple of games. That's probably why that knee was probably bothering him. Could be. And I think he might have banged it uh, with Jared Allen at one point. I, I'm not sure. It, but yeah, you're right. Um, and, you know, even with this fast start, you know how it works in the NBA. It's such oh, yeah. a long season. And, and as you mentioned, the health is always such an issue. So not only are they going to be without Sexton for a while with that meniscus, but um, they've lost Lori Markin and Kevin Love. Yeah, I don't know what uh, to, the update on that is. Yeah, it might be, you know, I don't want to get into what it might be, but that's kind yeah. of, um, so they're out for a while. Um, Isaac Okoro is coming back from his hamstring tonight. That'll, the Raptors, that'll, that'll help, right? Yes, because he also fits into what they're doing. He'll defend. He's tough. Uh, I mean, actually, actually, the tough, smart, accountable thing that the Browns have going, that's how the Cavs have to play. Because they're not, they're not a, a glitzy team. Even Rubio, you know, he can make some fancy passes or whatever, but that guy is a, a determined, gritty player. I mean, he just – he gets you – know, he's on the floor and all that, and um, it's just really good. And Okora will help them because you can play him in, in the backcourt if they don't play him up front. And um, they they really do need to get marking him back. That's, that's a big loss right now uh, because yeah, I think it's going to show – and we saw what Rubio did against the Knicks the other night. And I, it's really interesting. I'm, Rubio strikes me as valuable in so many ways, not just because 
he gives you a good backup point guard, but he kind of reminds me of like a, a, a mentor quarterback. Like you bring in a veteran quarterback to work with a young quarterback and kind of show him how to be a pro. And I just think these young guys are really going to learn a lot from Ricky Rubio. He's been a lot. He's played in Europe, obviously. That's where he came from in Spain. And you, we can't measure really just the impact he's going to have and bringing all these young guys along and showing them kind of how to be a successful pro, right? A couple of years ago, not this past year because he hardly played, but like two years ago when the when the Cavs traded for Delhi, there were all these stats about how much better the Cavs were with Delhi on the court than not. And you, it was kind of the same thing, only Rubio's better. But a stabilizing influence, got the guys lined up. He just didn't fire up a mindless three. The interesting thing, and I've watched Rubio for years, I just don't remember him being able to score like this. Yeah, that was really something the other night in the, the mecca of basketball. You know, and he ripped through the Olympic teams, you know, the Olympics. But maybe he's figuring out something else in his game because he. I don't like how his shot looks, but it's not. It's been going in some from three and 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 that. So that's that's helped. And Garland has a chance to be very good. You know, the big thing uh, a couple NBA people told me with him is. Uh, he has to just keep getting his body stronger because it does break down. Jared Allen, I believe Jared Allen right now, if it was the old days, he would be in his second NBA season. But I mean, the old days where you played four years in college. Right. And big men tend to develop a little slower because they're bigger and just catching up with their body and all this stuff. He spent the whole summer in Cleveland, Jared Allen did, working on his footwork. I love it. You actually see a guy goes down to the low block and has some post moves. You know, the rest of these guys, they all want to just shoot from 27 feet. <laughs> well, speaking of big guys, I wanted to ask you about Evan Mobley. Um, our colleague, Chris Fedor, has written a lot about him. And mm-hmm. It really seems like the Cavs have hit a home run with Evan Mobley. We're seeing terms being thrown or like thrown around like transformational player, special, is going to have a long, great career in the league it's a lot for a guy who's a rookie, you know, he's, he's not he that old. A, he he's should not, be a sophomore at USC is what he should exactly, be. Exactly. Yeah. But the, just the presence he's brought defensively and what the people have seen in terms of how smart he is and how fast he picks stuff up. Is this too much hype too soon? Or, or from what you've seen, you, do you think this is all kind of legit? I think, be, I think be, well, one, a lot of it is legit. I'm not going transformational, but special. Yes. Because he, as you said, he's smart and he's defensive oriented. I saw some stat a few days ago about he leads the league. And then I have the stats now shots challenged. In other words, it looks like you're at least trying to guard the guy he by far. So, which means it's not just his guy. He's jumping out to help others with that. And that takes some knowledge of the game and some want to, I got to, want to do that and also he's not a guy who just relies on scoring now he i think he's actually underused on offense they could do more with him he's made a few threes but i don't want don't turn this guy into one of these stretch fours don't do this if he wants to take a couple a game whatever but put him on that wing he could drive around people he's pretty good at the foul line he is really skilled. He's like an old soul out there. And I don't mean like an old, but it's like he's it's like he's been in the league five years. Now there was a poll, and I can't remember if it was from Hoops Hype or Real GM. Uh before the uh, uh start of the season, they pulled uh, different basketball executives, I guess one from each team, and like who would be rookie of the year. And I think they said Cunningham or uh uh or the or somebody else, but wasn't it wasn't uh uh 
Mobley, but they said, who's going to be the best in five years? By far was Mobley. Hmm. And the Cavs are seeing it already. And, and Chris Fedor's written about this too, about how he's able to play good defense, change shots without fouling. Yeah. Like he's, he's figured out, he's figured out the NBA's verticality rules in terms of what, where your hands need to be in your body position in like two months. <laughs> and he doesn't knock them. <laughs> and some guys never in, figure it out. Yeah. And some guys haven't figured out a block shot is a lot better when you keep it in bounds than when you whack it into the stands. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. This I said about being an old soul. Now, his father coached him a lot in AAU on these real high-level things. And then his father, I believe, has been on the staff at USC for a while. So that is another thing that goes in his favor is his dad as a coach. So you look at the Allen and Mobley up front. You know, I still want to see a lot more marketing. I just want to see him play more before I go real far. But at least he's you can see some natural ability. Um you know, the backcourt, I think Garland, Garland's ascending. I like Okafer. You know, people get on him. This is he because of his lack of shooting or whatever, but you don't Okoro. need everybody. Okoro, yeah. Uh, Isaac, you don't need Okoro um, jacking it up there all the time. But you need him going after that six-foot-four, six-foot-six guy that is really tough to defend. So, uh, you know, they've got some nice pieces. I'm just so pleasantly. So I love basketball, David, you know, that I'll, I'll watch it, but you got to give me a little bit of something to watch. Well, I think fans are getting excited about yeah. this and we're going to see some of the, you know, the crowds grow and there's going to be more interest and uh, it's going to be fun. So, so as we mentioned, they were eight of 11 on the road to start the season. Now they got a really good stretch of home games coming up uh, tonight. They're playing Toronto at seven. Friday, they've got Detroit at 7.30. Then they're home against Boston on Saturday and Monday. And then they have a road game after those four uh, home games next Wednesday at Brooklyn. So it's home, 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 and then on the road at Brooklyn. So should be a good stretch here. They'll get to enjoy Cleveland a little bit instead of being on planes all the time. So, so Terry, I know you're a basketball junkie. You just mentioned that, and you say you were watching the Cleveland State-BYU game. And Cleveland State coming off an NCAA tournament appearance a lot of people are excited in town to see how they do this year. What did you think of Cleveland State in their first game against BYU on Tuesday night? I'm not sure I've ever watched BYU TV before, but it is on my package. And I I did watch that. And they lost 69 to 59. It was a three-point game with uh, three minutes to go. They had the lead middle of the second half. BYU is a good team. It's their pick second in the West Coast Conference behind Gonzaga. They went to the NCAA last year. The previous year, they were like 24 and four, and they were going to the NCAA, and then uh, COVID hit. They have this coach, Mark Pope. This guy played at Kentucky some. He played in the NBA as a backup center for quite a while. Um, he, he can, he's an English major who did two years of medical school. How about that? Huh. Before he went, he, he, he graduated an English degree. He went into the NBA. Then he went into medical school for a couple of years. They decided he wanted to coach. They went into coaching. So this guy can talk. So I was watching his post-game press conference and he comes out. He goes, Cleveland state is terrifying to play. And I'm like, and he gets that people are there. He goes, I'm telling you, he goes, they're so disruptive. They just run around all over the place. And that's what you see. That's the key to what makes Dennis Gates teams good. They, they're not pretty to watch. I mean, you're not going to see a lot of great three-point shooting or whatever, but, but they scramble. They're all over the floor. They double team. They switch the right way. Um, and as he mentioned, they have all five of their starters back from a year ago. They have just bought everybody back. Um, all, and this was um, 
the first game, you know, in a year with fans. Well, BYU, that place, they had 13,000 people screaming in there. It was loud. It was a fun atmosphere. Uh, I thought Cleveland State, if you go back and look, a couple of things. They missed nine free throws. They got out-rebounded by 10. Uh, BYU's got some big guys. Uh, but they they played pretty well. No, neither team shot. I mean, they, they both shot about 25% on threes and that. But um, I, I talked to Dennis Gates. He called me from uh, the Detroit airport on the way home because he was swinging off for the team to made a quick recruiting trip before they open it home uh, on Saturday. And he was, um, you know, he was overall pleased with, with what he saw. And he's, he's still trying to figure out they've got a lot of these guys coming off the bench that he doesn't know that well. But, you know, they won, they won the Horizon League last year and they could win it again. You know, it's always tough in the, in the tournament because it's, it's, it's only one team goes. But I, I just think it's worth going to see. They play Ohio on Saturday at 7. They got some other games. Uh, check them out. All right. Yeah, it's the home opener. And, you know, Dennis Gates always does stuff for a reason. I think that game at BYU in front of a kind of a good crowd like that will serve them well down the line. And that's what he said. He goes, we also have Oklahoma State. I'm quoting him. We also have Duke. He goes, that gets us ready for the Horizon League because, you know, you won't play teams that athletic there. And then also um, for tournament basketball, the Horizon League tournament, and then hopefully NCAAs. All right, let's talk a little bit about your faith column this week, and then we'll do some Hey Terry's. And I do have a Terry's trivia question for you on Wyatt Teller, so you can start pondering that one. But So your faith column this week, you were getting into uh, an email you got from a guy named Ed, if I remember yeah, right. And he, yeah, And he was talking about this whole idea of, um, you know, we all, we all have issues we deal with, and he tries to remind himself that somebody's always got it worse. And that kind of helps ground him a little bit and helps him get through what he's going through is just like, boy, you know, and, and you quoted this in the column, how your mom used to tell you to count your blessings all the time. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard when you're a kid, but it's even harder when you're an adult to kind of put your situation in a frame with what other people have going on. So uh, really interesting. Well, Ed was talking about, he's had a hip replacement. I forgot all the surgeries. He had a whole bunch. And he says at Metro Health, and also here comes a guy down the hallway with one arm. And he said, well, you know, it, it wasn't, it could have been that bad. Oh, he had a bunch of eye surgeries. So he talked about, he was buying a car. And he wanted to buy one of these cars with really good, uh, uh, all, the, all the things that allow you to see more for what's behind you on the side because the only, only one of his eyes work. So he's telling the salesman that. He said, oh, that's pretty good. And I guess Ed asked him, well, how are you doing? He said, oh, man, you know, I mean, I just have had this heart surgery. I mean, they about cut my chest up. You know? And he's got, he goes, you're surprised when you get to know uh, people. You know, they're always something worse or um, – um, Leslie Parker Barnes, who is the head of the choir and a music minister, Arlington Church of God in Akron. Um, and she often says, um, everybody's got something big going on. And that helps us, you know, there. So it was just kind of looking at that. But one of the things that I put in there is like when somebody's telling you their problems, uh, don't cut them off after a minute. Go, yeah, well, but at least you got both arms. Uh, don't do that because it makes them feel diminished. But our own mind, our own thing, when we get, if we get off ourselves for a second and do look around and really see what people are going through, you know, mama saying count your blessings, that's probably right. Well, yeah. And as you, you know, write in the column, like people aren't telling you about their stuff because they want to hear you one up them or what, you know, or somebody else has one up to them for lack of a better term. They're telling you because they need some support. And if you're like, oh, well, Joe, you know, 
Johnny down the street has X, Y, and Z, then that doesn't really help your friend that you're talking to. I thought yeah, that was a really so you listen point. there, but it, sometimes we need to get off of it. Um, and one of the best ways actually is to be involved with somebody else and, and what they're dealing with. So, uh, but as, as, as email was really, it was a fun way to start a lot of it. In fact, if you ever have good stories, wherever send them to me, I look at all those emails. I have a whole file on my computer. It's called faith leathers. And that's where I get a lot of from the, those emails. I save them and, um, turn them in sometimes into faith calm ideas because when it's called, you know, faith in you, well, that's you, you're you. What's yes. going on? And th these are good things to think about as we get closer to the holidays, too, when we're going to be seeing yeah. people we might not have seen in a while. So I'm really glad you wrote that one. So, all right, let's do some Hey Terry's. We got a couple okay. of here, a couple of questions here. This one is from Bob Dickey. We kind of touched on this, but Bob says, Hey, Terry, I love that we locked up, we meaning the Browns, our two outstanding guards, Teller and Batonio. Is there going to be enough money left to sign Denzel Ward and Baker Mayfield to long term deals? Well, you would start the contract in 2023. So that's, um, I would think so. It, I don't know what kind of deal Ward's going to get. You know, a lot of their, there is going to depend on his uh, physical condition. He started poorly early in the year, but pro football focus has some stats in the last three games or something. And he's been terrific. Um, I think it's only a lot like five catches and none for big yardage and, uh, you're starting to see more of the, the vintage dense award. And I also think, by the way, Greg Newsom can play. Great and, recovery uh, speed. You now, David, I, this is how I looked at it. And I, and I really went, will defer to you. If you see it differently, please say, but it looked to me like they just put Newsom on one side of the field and Ward on the other and whatever receiver, like if T Higgins went on this side and, and um, uh, chase one on the other side, you just took him. Now, they didn't have, like, Denzel, you take Chase wherever he goes. No, this is your side, and this is Newsom's side. Who's ever there, you just stay with them. And we didn't see all this handing them off to the safeties who weren't there or people pointing. Even when they caught passes, the, the defensive back was in the picture. Absolutely. I, and I, that's when, you know, it looked like just simplified it to me. Yeah, and the fact that they have that much faith in Greg Newsom so early in his career that, like, they're, hey, we're fine either way. Whatever you want to do, just stay, just stay where you're at. And, you know, Greg Newsom, when he when he was getting beat, it was by a yard. Yeah. And, and the pass was getting and he was closing real fast and he's a good tackler. And I think I think they're, they have to be really pleased with what they're seeing from from him. Oh, they're thrilled with Newsom. Yeah. And the big issue, you know, he did get hurt. He did. He did get hurt in Northwestern. I mean, that's another guy who has some injury issues. That's why I'm always like defensive backs are like pitchers. They seem to get hurt. You, well, you need a whole bunch of them. But that's exciting to me. Yeah, and going back to Denzel Ward, like he has had a number of soft tissue injuries, hamstrings, yeah. and and and, if, and calves. And I think if he can stay away from that and be out there, you know, playing 15, 14, 15 games a season, he's going to start to get some national notoriety mm -hmm. for because when he's out there, he is really, really good. And but if you're negotiating gonna, a contract, David, you got to say he's probably only going to play twelve. Yeah, true, and that'll all factor in. And I, I think, yeah. um, I think you know, I think you're right. The end of the season might when when they get into all this stuff so deep with him and then with baker you know you can just kind of see where the quarterback because lamar jackson hasn't signed yeah and that's a big one that'll be a domino that'll fall that'll affect everybody else so you know lamar jackson's family is handling his negotiations at least it was as of a couple weeks ago keeping it in house i guess they don't want yeah. to pay that agent's fee so we'll see that's what he right. comes up with all right 
All right, this uh, let's take one more question. This is from Juan Gonzalez, who's from Cleveland. He says, my question is, do I you remember think- when Juan played for the Indians. <laughs> I think this is a different Juan Gonzalez. Uh, he made 10 million for one year. I remember that. Do you think the Browns defense will be a top 10, maybe top five defense by the end of the season with all the talent it has on paper? It seems like it should be playing a lot better. I know it's ranked number three in the NFL, supposedly, but that's hard for me to believe. I agree. Well, I don't have the stats that. in front of me on this one, but what's your take on that? Well, you know, there's there's yardage and then there's points allowed. And in the end, the bottom line for defense is how many points do you give up? And they are not three or five in that. Um, getting Going into the game at uh, Cincinnati, they had allowed 17 touchdown passes. That was number two in the NFL. Uh, and also they've, they've been penalized fairly. I think you can maybe get in what I would consider top 10 defense by the end of the year, if you continue to play well and they stay relatively healthy, but they're not, they're not elite. They're not going to be elite this year, but you could be good enough to win quite a few games. If they end up with a 10 or 12th ranked defense, I'm talking about points allowed and you cut down all those cheap touchdown passes. Uh, you're going to win some games against good teams. And this was the healthiest they've been, I think, was yeah. on Sunday. So it's going to be an interesting last half of the season. So, all right, let's do a little Terry's trivia to wrap up here, Terry. Yes. So Wyatt Teller grew up in Virginia. He went to Liberty High School. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen the picture of him with the alligator over his shoulder. Wyatt Teller played another sport, participated in another sport in high school that oh boy. might help him capture a gator. There's your hint. But can you guess what sport? Swimming? He, he was a swimmer in high school. Can you believe that? And his mom um, was his coach. Okay. So there you go. So Wyatt Teller. For flex. Well, wasn't he a defensive lineman early in his career at Virginia Tech too, I believe? Yeah, he was. He moved around quite a bit, I think, when he was being recruited out of high school. So there you he go. Was Wyatt Teller was on the swim team. Well, they do, they, do, they do have the alligator clause, I think, in that contract, don't they? I think so. That's what Andrew Barry was saying. No more alligators. <laughs> yeah, they were no, so. like – like big reptiles, you know, <laughs> Kilo monsters or whatever. No, we're not doing this. Yeah. He can pay somebody to handle those for him now that he's got the new contract, <laughs> right? Alligator Wrangler. So that's gotta be a job, right? Um, all right, Terry, anything else? We good. What do you think? That is it for me. All right. So we are going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll be able to talk about Browns and Patriots and uh, what the Cavs are doing on their homestand. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next week on Terry's Talking. 